I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, number 95. Pretty good. Uh, next week we'll be hitting 100. How about that? Uh, and we'll be doing so under uh, the conditions of social distancing. I, uh, in all likelihood, will broadcast episode 100 from my guest bedroom. Uh, you got any special requests for that day? Or you got any suggestions on how we ought to uh, celebrate the 100th episode? It's early. I have traded notes with Doug Wright a few times, uh, and uh, as he has told me about the number of episodes uh, of the Doug Wright show he hosted over the years, uh, his number was 8,000 plus. So uh, I got a, a few more years ahead of me before I catch up to that. Maybe I shouldn't be too boastful and uh, <laughs> about this 100th episode of mine. Anyway, let's talk about today's episode 95. There is so much on the docket today. In fact, uh, we are standing by awaiting a press conference to be delivered from the Rose Garden just outside the White House by President Trump. What will he say? If I'm honest, I have no idea. I have no clue. He today has been uh, seated and having meetings with uh, the governor of Florida uh, and uh, Governor DeSantis down there has had uh, some very boastful comments to make about how things have fared in the state of Florida compared to places like uh, New York. Uh, and other places. Uh, well, we'll see what the, the president has to say. As soon as he steps to the microphone again at the Rose Garden, we will uh, bring that to you live. And then later on in the program today, just after 1.30, as you know, we each day bring to you the situational updates hosted by Dr. Angela Dunn, the state epidemiologist. Well, today there she will do that. She'll give a situational update, but we will also hear from both Governor Gary Herbert and Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox. Now, again, we are not 100% sure what will be announced, but it does feel uh, as if there may be an announcement coming. If you think back to last Friday, the governor was talking about the different states of readiness and a color coding uh, system which is in place. Uh, if if we are to uh, take Friday as any indicator of what may be on uh, tap for today, maybe we will be moving from uh, the red section, the highest of alerts, maybe taking a step back into orange to see what uh, uh, that may bring. And that will certainly have an impact on the way restaurants are run, uh, the way maybe gymnasiums are run, and also uh, elective surgeries and such like that. So uh, we're going to be standing by throughout the morning waiting to hear from both the president and the governor and other members of the coronavirus task force here in the state of Utah. While we wait, though, I want to talk to you about something I came to learn about early this morning, and it has to do with a lawsuit filed by one of the candidates for governor of the great state of Utah. I, on this program, a number of times have spoken to Jan Garbett. She entered the race relatively late. 
She uh, shortly after uh, announcing her run for governor, her candidacy, she announced that her lieutenant governor selection would be a doctor, Dr. Jarvis. And the two of them uh, set out to collect signatures. It was her election to uh, only collect signatures. She would not be participating in the convention system, which is is an odd choice. I I knew that there were the two choices you could make where you would rely solely on the convention system, again, the convention which just took place this past Saturday, or uh, you could rely on the convention system and signature gathering. Uh, you have to help me if I'm wrong. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, straighten me out if I, if I have this misunderstood. I, I believe she's the only candidate uh, who has selected to or made the selection to rely solely on the signature gathering process. Now, you know how the signatures work. To run for governor here in the state of Utah, by law, you need to get 28,000 certified unique signatures and deliver those to the Office of Elections in order to qualify for the primary ballot. Now, this year's different, obviously. Different circumstances. We're in the midst of a pandemic. The governor uh, in the middle of signature gathering season, he allowed for uh, certain flexibilities to uh, deliver and collect a signature from a uh, potential signatory uh, electronically via email or online somehow. Now, that still required a physical printout and a delivery of these documents to the uh, elections office. But the addition of the electronic element was a new thing. And uh, Governor Huntsman, in fact, former uh, Governor Huntsman Jr., who is running for governor, has made his way onto the primary ballot. He was able to successfully navigate the signature waters and collect the requisite number of signatures. Well, uh, Jan Garbett was not able to pull that off. And uh, I spoke to her just the other day when she made it known that she would be filing a lawsuit uh, against the the state of Utah uh, on that front. Here's what she said the other day. Yeah, I have um, filed in federal court, and we have been given a judge, and we will hear from the state what their argument is Thursday. It's not like I haven't tried to reach out to them before, and other candidates have tried to reach out to them before. But this is just too important. So she has filed a lawsuit stating that she felt it unfair or that there was undue burden on her access uh, to performing as a candidate uh, because of the circumstances, because of coronavirus, because of the uh, stipulations put in place by the governor, and merely that her her right to run for office uh, had been infringed upon. Well, a federal judge uh, agreed with her and has ruled that if she is able to demonstrate having had submitted uh, 19,040 signatures by April 13th, if she can get 19,040 signatures certified that she submitted before the 13th of April, that was the deadline, then she will qualify for the ballot. And we will have not four, as we have now, but rather five uh, primary challengers, those who are seeking the Republican nomination for governor. Now, what does that mean for the folks that handle elections uh, at the state level? What does that mean for the folks that certify uh, the signatures? Uh, Amy gave a call over to the office, and she spoke with Director of Elections Justin Lee this morning and asked that he explain why they didn't count the signatures initially submitted by uh, Garbett. And he gives a pretty straightforward answer here. Uh, I'll play it. Let me get it queued up. And here's uh, Elections Director Justin Lee. 
So the first time when she submitted them, um, under under the administrative rules in the state, uh, we can't actually accept the signatures unless uh, the candidate has enough to break the threshold. So she only submitted, you know, a little under 21,000 signatures last time. Um, and because the threshold's 28,000, we could not accept those signatures. So she has resubmitted those this morning. We've now accepted them under the uh, judge's order. And we're now beginning the process of uh, going through all of the signatures and verifying them. You see how that works there? She submitted, Jan Garbett, candidate for governor, she submitted just shy of 21,000. The rules which govern the behavior of the elections office are that if a candidate doesn't even submit a potential uh, number of signatures to break the threshold, then there's no sense in using taxpayer resources to go through the process of certifying them. And so they were set aside. And now in the face of this uh, ruling by a federal judge, Jan Garbett has resubmitted them because the judge has lowered the threshold and she has been able to submit potential signatures uh, which uh, pass the threshold. Now, uh, Justin Lee and the elections office, they are going through the process to see if of those uh, just shy of 21,000, if she's able to beat the 19,000 threshold, which has been put in place now uh, by Judge Shelby. Uh, let me uh, go on and, and have... Uh, Let's see, we have uh, here Justin Lee explaining uh, a little bit about how the certification process works. That is what the signatures submitted by Jan Garbett are going through at this moment. For every candidate, we have to to make sure that the first off, the people are, you know, a registered Republican because they're required to be uh, for a Republican race to make sure they are registered to vote. Um, you know, to make sure they haven't signed for another candidate. Uh, so there's all kinds of things that we have to do to, to go and find these, these voters and verify that they are eligible to sign this petition packet. See how that works? Uh, so the, the, the truth is this is changing things on the fly, and, and that bugs me. I think that, you know, these types of hypothetical questions would have been better answered before we got to this point. Uh, they weren't, and so here we are, all of it to result of, uh, this dual pathway to the, the primary uh, ballot. Uh, there are two ways to do it, and those two ways compete with one another, and they compete for resources, and they compete for our attention, uh, and they compete for tactics. Anyway, that's that. If you've got thoughts on this, is that, was the judge's ruling correct? Should the threshold have been lowered for those who committed the gathering signatures? Or uh, should Jan Garbett accept the outcome and, and move on and let this thing uh, play out uh, for the voters. Anyway, we're going to take a break right now. If you've got thoughts on that, 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. I'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back. We are still standing by, waiting to hear from the president, speaking to us from the Rose Garden. And later on, Governor Gary Herbert delivers his address at 135. All ahead on Live Mike, I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.